Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report podcast. I'm your host, Vago Maradian. Our podcast is sponsored by Bell. Since 1935, Bell has been redefining flight. Learn more about its pioneering spirit at bellflight.com. Joining us to mark International Women's Day is Fiona McKay, the founder and driving force behind the Leading Ladies of Defense a Global Summit that will convene virtually on March 17th. Fiona, thanks so very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Vago. Delighted to be here, especially today. Especially today, uh, indeed. And it was lovely talking to you last year uh, before uh, the conference uh, as well. Uh, And before we get started, Leonardo DRS sponsors our global coverage, including uh, our recent coverage of the Air Force Association's Air Warfare Symposium uh, last week. Northrop Grumman sponsors our weekly cyber report and our cyber coverage overall. And General Atomics Aeronautical Systems sponsors our coverage of strategy. Uh, Fiona, for more than a century, March has been the day to focus uh, on women's equality uh, issues. Uh, it's been 45 years since the United Nations identified it as a global commemoration. Um, we have more women than ever in prominent positions across politics, uh, across government, uh, industry, as well as defense and aerospace, which is where uh, you focus, as well as in, in uniform. We're going to see that reflected in uh, the summit, which I want to discuss shortly. But first, I mean, to sort of give us sort of a report card, sort of a status report on the battle for uh, equality, um, you know, in general, but aerospace and defense uh, in specific? Well, globally, we have seen some shifts in the past few decades, but I would say it's just not fast enough. And it's also very different depending on which country you're in. Um, I had some very different experiences in Europe compared to the US. And if you look at different countries around the world, the pace at which things are changing for women is 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 hugely different. In fact, in some countries, um, women are, are actually restricted from working in certain jobs. Uh, they say in about fifty percent of countries, women can't actually work in certain certain sectors. So there's there's still a lot to do. In terms of of, of aerospace and defence, and and like you mentioned, politics and, and and a lot of industries, we are actually seeing much more diversity at the top. So. For example, you know, you got Kathy Warden at North, Northrop Grumman, Leanne Carre at Boeing, Phoebe Novakovic at General Dynamics. Um, but overall, it's inadequate. Report after report after report talks about how inadequate the change actually is in reality. Um, let's talk about driving that change a little bit. There's a powerful new uh, TV ad by UKG, the human resources and payroll company that highlights pay inequality. Uh, men still make, on average, 18% more than their female counterparts doing the exact same work with the exact same metrics, uh, something the ad uh, uh, drives home. Women's Soccer League has made inroads uh, regarding paying inequality, but we know that there's a problem because women NBA players have to play abroad, including in Russia, where they can be arrested on trumped-up uh, charges, as we've seen with uh, a WNBA player who's been uh, detained uh, in Russia, even though um, Griner plays uh, in the leagues there. Um, what's progress on this issue? Because it seems like it's a perennial issue. We may have closed the gap a little bit, but there's still a sizable gap. Yeah, as you've mentioned, Vago, the, the pay gap is, is still there. Some people think that it's not, but actually it's remained consistent for the last 15 years with women earning 84% of what men earn. Why is that? Well, I think some of it is because of institutional things, Um both conscious and subconscious, but it's also because um, people place a disproportionate amount of emphasis on experience. And as we all know, women have to um, take time out if they want to have children. 
and this can have a huge impact on their pay. But why aren't we giving credit for the skills that women actually develop through motherhood? I mean, if negotiating with a child, I think is far more difficult than negotiating with an adult. There's other skills. There's, there's you know, you run in the household, project management, um, you know, learning to work with people compassionately. There's so many great skills that I learned as a mother. And so I think that the world needs to stop placing so much emphasis on years in role and look at overall life experience as well. It's not to say experience isn't important, but I think we need to look at attitude and aptitude and, and the whole person. I think there are a multiplicity of skills that any mother would tell you uh, in terms of keeping a, a, a family on track. And, um, you know, and I, I can speak from personal experience uh, with women in my life who've held senior uh, roles, whether in government or uh, in uh, industry, um, that are very, very similar skill sets that, that, that really have been absolutely critical. Um, you know, again, probably project management, attention to detail, negotiating, uh, and, and the like. What are some of the other outstanding issues, uh, Fiona? Because there's a tendency of focusing on the pay gap issue, but then there are also a multiplicity of other things that goes along with it, right? I mean, we're still coping with workplace, um, either um, indifference or inappropriateness, all the way to sexual harassment. And then even even worse in some cases that goes to sexual assault that we still haven't uh, stamped out of uh, the, the workplace, right? I mean, what are some of the other issues that we need to be focused on to try to tackle to, to get the, the most out of everybody's contributions to society, to industry, academia, you name it? Well, for me, it, it is, there's two parts to it. There's, there's stamping out those behaviors and there's also actually working with our allies to show them how they can step up to support women. I mean, as, as you mentioned, um, workplace harassment, assault, it still, it still exists. And it's something that people actually don't like to talk about. But one of the worst things about running leading ladies of aerospace and defense is I, I've actually heard some, some not so great stories out there. There are some companies doing fantastic work, but there are others where simply more needs to be done. And, and also people need to, to realize that um, you know, harassment isn't just sexual. There's 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 other forms of harassment, and um, and so that needs to be stamped out from from the very top. Now, I would say that people that exhibit those kind of behaviors they are small in numbers. There are a lot of of great men in the workforce, fantastic men, and what we need is we need for those men to be um, speaking out more for for those women. You, you just mentioned that change doesn't happen uh, without men uh, doing their part, especially those in leadership. I remember uh, the Halifax International Security Forum a few years ago where the panel was composed of males, uh, male chiefs of defense. That drew a little bit of criticism. Uh, you know, why are men talking for women? Uh, but the entire point was that men are the ones who are in charge and change doesn't happen without them. Uh, women understand these issues uh, clearly. Uh, what's, I mean, is there a metric that shows that men are standing up as much as they should in order to drive this change, ultimately? I'm personally not aware of any metrics. There's actually not too much written on this topic yet, but um, there are actually um, people out there that are now starting to write about this topic. Um, there's a really good book called Good Guys, and that's how, to, how men can be allies um, for women. And that's actually written by two, uh, two people that are pretty senior in the US Navy. Um, but I would say that men do need to be doing more to 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 you know speak up for women and not just speak up against major issues, but but speak up in general. 
Um, I would, I, I've always thought that men are an essential part of this work to advance women. You know, how can we achieve what we want to at the pace we want to if only 50% of the population is behind it? We absolutely need men there. And it was actually men that made my career. Um, I'll always remember I had this fantastic boss when I was working at Rolls-Royce, Avinash Mishra, remember him to this day. And he was a really, really good advocate and a really good sponsor for me. And he is what helped me get into leadership positions. And men are also important for kicking down doors. And there's been some fantastic work done at the UK Ministry of Defence to promote gender, um, gender diversity. And um, there's, a, there's a guy that leads that called Rear Admiral James McLeod. And um, I asked him, you know, well, what was your role? And he said, you know, women came to me with this idea, but they didn't have the access to the right people to make it happen. So my job was to kick down doors and make sure that their voices were heard. So there is there are many, many things that men can be doing, be they small, be they large. But every single action means so much to us. Anytime the words diversity and inclusion or gender equality come up, um, it, it tends, unfortunately, to form in some an allergic reaction. Fiona, does there need to be a change? You know, I, I don't want to justify the, the pushback that people are giving on it. Do the messages have to change somehow? Because almost every time this, you know, the issues come up, you can be greeted with a little bit of an eye roll, especially from men. Yeah, I think that men need to understand that it's not men versus women. It's about everybody rising. And I think that particularly in times like this, when there's a lot of fear out there, people seem to think, well, if, if, if we're increasing diversity, what does that mean for my position? Um, but it's, it's not about competition. It's about making the workforce better overall. And I think that if there was more um, education and communication on how everybody benefits, if we have more diverse workplaces, I think that um, that, that, that would actually create some change. But at the end of the day, people need to understand what's in it for me. That's natural human nature. So what is it for men to promote women that that's going to help them? That's what we need to answer. Let me just take this uh, to defense and aerospace briefly. Um, is, is the sector doing better than other sectors? I mean, obviously, you mentioned some prominent senior executives. Um, I think that in my career, I'm, I'm now, you know, obviously, at the CEO level, we had Marilyn Houston, who's uh, chairman and CEO of Lockheed Martin, um, under, under whose tenure the company grew. Um, and, um, uh, you know, our, does defense and aerospace do better in terms of opportunity than other industrial sectors? Uh, is it about the same? Does it fall behind? What, 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 is, what, is the, what does the dat- data tell you? In general, it's, it's falling behind. As, as you mentioned, um, women in senior positions, and um, well, the top level positions is not, is not the issue. It's, it's more around women in um, the, the middle level positions. That's, that's where the real challenge is. I mean, not a day goes by that I don't open LinkedIn and see a woman from the Seattle aerospace and defense industry has, has left to go work with the likes of Amazon. So clearly other industries are doing better. Otherwise there wouldn't be so many women leaving the industry. But let me uh, take it to the issue of uh, equal, uh, the Equal Rights Amendment, right? I mean, it, it's been uh, perilously close to passing. There are those who argue uh, it's no longer needed. It's a vestige, you know, going back to the 1970s. Things have dramatically changed since then. I think everybody can agree that, yes, things have dramatically changed. The question is whether or not they're as equal as they need to be or, or as blind as, as, as ultimately we, we need to be. 
Um, any any thoughts on on that um, as as folks, uh, you know, still hope. Uh, right. I mean, look, pr- progress is still happening. Just this week, the Senate unanimously passed an anti-lynching amendment uh, that folks have been trying to pass for the last 150 years. Right. So, you know, the greatest thing about America is that it's always changing and always improving. Do you think an equal rights amendment is important in order to drive this forward? I would honestly say that I don't know enough about U.S. politics to, to really comment on that. Um, clearly need to get myself more educated. Um, but I think that it's, 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 it's important that it's more than just words. You know, we can have, we can have, um, we, we can have the amendments, we can, we can make as many changes as we want, but how are those being communicated? How are people being held to account? So ultimately holding people to account is the only way that you, that progress can be made on this issue ultimately. I think the, the key thing is, is action rather than words. And so, um, you know, how do we hold ourselves accountable? How do we hold each other accountable? Because all too often, um, things with, when it comes to diversity and inclusion can, can, cannot be followed by significant action. So yeah, I do think holding each other accountable will make a huge difference. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, it, it's about uh, being as blind as you can, right? I mean, while mothers do develop certain unique uh, skills, uh, I think at the end of the day, people bring skills with them that are valuable uh, to any workplace, right? Um, there are people who are more organized, um, more precise. There are people who are big, big thinkers that may not be as precise in execution, but have a little, you know, really great ideas. And I think, you know, whether you're a mother, whether you're single, whether you're whatever, I mean, ultimately, you should be judged on the performance you're bringing to the table, uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, necessarily you know, did you punch all the right tickets in the right order in order to, uh, to get there, right? I mean, I think this is a big debate in HR, you know, how, how, do, you, how do you reward and promote those people who are uh, most um, beneficial to an organization and the skill sets that they bring, uh, organizational creativity, you name it in any, in any uh, capacity. It's, it's safe to say that we, we do things the way we do things because that's the way we do them as opposed to maybe the way we ought to be doing them. That's the, the same for military services, which are trying to you know, drive more innovative ways of managing talent and managing people uh, ultimately. And I know that that's a, a focus in the commercial, uh, uh, commercial world as well. Some of this is empirical, right? In terms of the skill sets that women bring to the workplace, no matter the workplace and, and whether they're mothers or not. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, there's actually some really great work done by the Gender Intelligence Group and that actually looks at how um, men and women's brains are, are actually wired differently. And so if you look at a whole range of traits, you'll find that um, men and women do bring different things. And it's on a continuum, so it's not black and white, but it's, um, it, and, and so if we wanna create big change in, work, in workplaces, it, it's, it's actually recognizing some of our unique differences and also creating environments where different styles can actually thrive. You know, if you think about the workplace, it was pretty much designed in the industrial revolution where it was all run by men. So what do we need to do to create environments that are more welcome for people that don't necessarily fit the the demographic mold? Um, Give us some highlights uh, from the conference. You do both leading ladies of aerospace, but also leading ladies of defense. March 17 uh, is going to be uh, the uh, virtual global summit. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what the audience should should expect and your case on why more men should be tuning in for the conference. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, the event is just an absolutely fantastic opportunity for women and their allies 
to learn from great female leaders in the industry. And they're going to walk away with really actionable advice and things that they can start using in the workplace now. Um, we actually have you know, 21 amazing women and three allies speaking. We've got Amy Gowder with uh, the CEO of Aerojet Rocketdyne. We've got Kathy Crandall. She's uh, a president at L3 Harris. Grazia Vittadini, CTO of Rolls-Royce. Uh, Raytheon's Barbara Barganovi. She's the president of uh, Raytheon, um, one of Raytheon's intelligence and space divisions. So really, really amazing women that you just wouldn't find in one space ordinarily. And um, we're going to be looking at industry-specific topics and leadership topics. So we've got the changing defense landscape, market outlooks, new technologies, and then things like pandemic lessons in leadership. How are we going to manage the talent crisis? What does it mean to be an ally? And um, as you mentioned, we really, really want men to attend this event because they're going to get to learn a heck of a lot. And we actually have a panel um, that is actually being led by men. There's men and women on the panel, but we have... Uh, Rear Admiral James McLeod, he's leading a panel on, you know, what it really means to be an ally. And um, it's uh, it's going to be a great discussion. So I would encourage all men to show up and um, all allies to show up because this is going to be a really, really good opportunity for learning. Uh, best of luck on the on the conference. Looking forward to uh, tuning in next week. I, I know that last year, uh, Angela Ambrose, uh, the uh, uh, VP uh, for Government Relations and Communications at uh, uh, GM Defense, uh, joined uh, joined you uh, on uh, in, in talking to us uh, and look forward to touching base after the con uh, conference uh, to get some key uh, takeaways. Thanks so very much for joining us and a very happy International Women's Day to you. Thanks, Fago. It's been a pleasure. And now a word from our sponsor, retired United States Army Major General Jeff Schlosser, who is the Executive Vice President for Strategic Pursuits at Bell. We've been building creative and innovative aircraft, next generation types of capabilities for almost nine decades. Bell is the company that can deliver that. Thanks very much, sir. And thanks to all of you for listening. Please follow our daily podcasts and visit the Defense and Aerospace Report website to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook at Defense and Aerospace Report and check us out on LinkedIn and stay tuned for our weekly cyber report sponsored by Northrop Grumman. Thanks again to Bell for their generous sponsorship and we'll see you again tomorrow.